Thanks for tuning in to Book Nasty. Sorry about the sound. We are working very hard on improvements. Please enjoy the episode. You're listening to Book Nasty with Carla Renee, Hannibal, and Nicole. Let's go, Selective. Hey, welcome to Book Nasty. I'm Carla Renee, and this is Hannibal. Say hello. Hello, Han- Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, Hannibal. Hello, Hannibal. <laughs> uh, and also, we have uh, Nicole. Hey, Nicole, how you doing? Oh, wait. Nicole's not here. She's not here. Yes, it, the second episode, and she decided not to do it. She's terrible. She's <laughs> the worst. She's oh, so terrible. Also... Well, we're going to give an excuse of why she's not here. She is currently studying for the bar. She wants to be a lawyer or something. So, uh, what else we can say about Nicole? All right, so Nicole is taking a sabbatical after one episode because she is uh, studying for the bar. I just said that. I know, but you said it with a lot of uh and is, <laughs> and I didn't understand what that was going on. Yeah, so she's out. Uh, she'll be back after a few episodes. So I know there's certain people who are listening or who will listen and may uh, punch out when they don't hear Nicole. It's actually just one person. I think we all know the person. We're not going to say right. that name. Let's not get personal. Nicole not here to defend well, herself. Yeah, but it's one person that is going to not want. He's going to probably click it off once he realizes that Nicole's not on. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. But I want to tell this person right now. To don't do that. I'm not gonna say his name. We're gonna. I'm gonna say the first letter of his name. T. T. Don't. Mr. T. Mr. T. Don't end the podcast because Nicole's not on it. It's gonna be fun. We actually are good, entertaining people. All right. I am tired of talking about Nicole. <laughs> um. <laughs> She'll so. be back. All right. Well, before we decide to talk about our book of the week, I wanted to talk about an article. It was published a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I wanted to discuss it with you, Carla. And it's based on foodie calls. Have you ever heard of a foodie call? Not until you told me about it, dude. Well, I'm sure you have you have indulged in this type of call. A foodie call is basically when you decide to um, date just for the free meal. Basically, you go out with a, a man or a woman, whatever, and you're only there for the, the food. And you don't have any... I guess desire to do anything other than that, uh, romantically or otherwise, you just want to get the you you know you want to go to BBQs and get BBQs. yourself. That's what a lot of people like to to go and uh, get themselves a nice platter, and then uh, never talk to the guy again. So here's the thing. But before I give out my opinion on the subject, I wanted to ask you, you Carla, as a woman, why are you women so evil? And disgusting. Your first thoughts. of all, your thoughts. First of all, <laughs> I am appalled. Not because this thing exists, but because I have never thought to just go on a date for the food. That because, is that is a lie. No, <laughs> I wish I did because I like food. But then, like my thing is, can I talk to you while I'm eating? Your face will disturb my digestive system. I don't. That's not true either. That's not true. <laughs> No. So you have you have never so you have never guys that try to pick me up. (laughs) Have you ever been with a man that went on a date just because you wanted something to eat? (laughs) Unfortunately I have not. 
Okay. Um, so it, it sounds like, actually, to be honest, it sounds like a really good uh, gig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, think about it. Guys ask you out on dates for their own ulterior motive. They want to touch your boob. They want to touch your hoo-ha. They want, you know, generally we all know why guys ask you out on a date. So why can't I get some out of it? Feed me. Okay. I'm just saying. Well, according to this study, 23% of women, they, they uh, it was 820 women that uh, were, were asked these questions. And 23 admitted to engaging in a food call. Most did so occasionally or rarely. A.K.A. they do it often. I don't know what that means, occasionally. Occasionally or rarely. Maybe that means you, you when, have. When, <laughs> they, when they're broke. Like they didn't get paid this week, so I need to go on a date. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, and but some do believe foodie calls are extremely or moderately unacceptable. <laughs> so they're engaging in something they feel is unacceptable. So wait, the woman thinks that it's unacceptable. But it's only women that are in the study. Yeah, but why do it if it's unacceptable? He said although women who have engaged in a foodie call believed to be more acceptable, most women believe that foodie calls were extremely or moderately unacceptable. I mean, it's kind of fucked up. You got the guy's hopes up. You eat your meal. You don't call him back. It's pretty yeah. sad. And then it gets even to some darker stuff. They said the people who scored highly that they would do a foodie call have traits of um, narcissism, <laughs> uh, Machiavellianism, which I don't know how to... What that is basically people who value their needs over others well uh, that makes sense like think about like it's it extremely manipulative to decide yeah, to i'm decide going I'm to tell go you, on yeah. this date for some some uh bbqs as who who the fuck goes on a date for bbq basic people yes but you know right. it doesn't matter it's a free it's free meal you gonna complain about a free meal yeah yeah i will don't take me to bbqs right. i am a grown woman all right there's food there so i don't know i i, I think you should definitely I mean, they have good drinks over there. But that's not the point. The point is that... My opinion is that I don't... It's not a big deal to me. Like you said earlier, men take women out for different motives. Um, so it, do, it does make sense that you would try to... You know, it, it's a fair exchange of goods, right? You take someone exactly. out and... You're taking me out because you... I know why it's you a possi- it's me It's a possibility. You know what I'm yeah, It's a possibility. So, I mean, are you going to feed me? Nah? Whatever. Well, it's easier, right? Like, it's just, I think it's one of those things that nobody wants to talk about. They think it's, a, it's something weird about. I think most women, before, even the, the joke is, like, if you, you guys try yeah, to approach women, it's like, hey, you, and then the woman responds by saying, hey, are you going to at least feed me first? So it makes sense to. And but, it's so, weird for men to be upset about that and get mad. Like, yo, dude, so you want her to have sex with you for nothing? Like, you've done, you've provided. So, what do you what are you. Like, come on, dude. And then that's a lot of energy I'm exuding having sex with you, you know, if I choose to exude any energy at all. Yes. And you need to feed me. You need, you need energy need to, lay, to lay down there and make the man do all the work. You definitely need the energy, I guess. Especially if he's ugly. Well, I guess if, you know. So, <laughs> so, that, so the idea is the more he spends at the meal, the more likely he may actually get some at the end of the night. Is that what you're saying? I... We'll just eat and go. But it is. Alright, so you are probably one of these. You are one of these people. You are, you are into. I mean, because technically, I mean, you know, and I think it's true. A lot of people say women uh, know they're going to fuck you when they see you. So if I saw you and I'm like, eh, I'm going to fuck him. 
but he's gonna feed me. I'm not gonna change my mind because I had a burger. I mean, I'm still not fucking you. Exactly. So you would participate in eat, and then these are foodie calls. So this is this is basically the equivalent of you, you went out to dinner, but you're not contacting. You're not responding to phone calls. You're not, re- you're not the person not responding for the text. You basically use this man for that one free meal. It's like a one night on. stand with food. Yes. I. I mean, that's what it's called. It's a foodie call is where women manipulate men to take them out on dates for a free meal. But you don't have to manipulate a man that much to take you out on a date. Men are stupid. I do agree. You don't so they will, so much manipulation that you need to give. It's, it's unfortunate that there's some men who are probably looking for relationships and they're dating because that's what you do. And they're with a woman that's not interested in doing that. So... But it's on the same level of a woman going on a date with a guy and, and the guy is only in, interested yeah. in something physical and he's not being completely honest about it. And then that's where the, the problems lie. So I thought it was interesting. I didn't think it was a big deal. I, I, you know, you look at the comments sometimes online and you, you hear men kind of do the whole anti-woman thing, get because upset. Because men are giant crybabies. For the most part, it's like, it's like you're going to get upset about that. So you, and we, I think all men have engaged with taking someone out on a date and you you're the biggest outcome that you're looking for is sex but i mean and that's okay so you know it may happen may not i think i'm being a little bit mean uh men are not all crybabies but there are some men that want to be in a relationship there are some men that's seeking connection and then you're you know making this guy think that you're interested in him you get full you say i'll call you you don't call it must be sad (laughs) uh, i'm saying i mean I'm trying to be sympathetic, but like men do it to women all the time. They don't call. They they yeah. like. It's it, the level of I think that's where our our, it, our society, or not society, it, it, human it, beings are, are highly hypocritical people or creatures. They don't make a lot of sense in their reaction. They they get upset when things are happening to them, but they do it to others. Exactly. So it's really hard for me to be like, oh, poor men. You, you do it to women. Men do it to women. Women do it to men. That's life. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, I, like I said, I, I read it and I, I totally agreed. I totally agreed with, hey, it happens. Just like the, it's the big streams where the woman's looking for food or sex. You know, sometimes she's just only one sex. And the same thing for men. They're probably looking for sex or apartment to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have a lot of men who just, what's, what's, what do we call uh, a man that wants uh, free lodgings? They didn't want. Um, they want to stay in uh, someone's house for months on end without paying rent. What do you call that? Like a uh, um, I don't know if you guys watch Married with Children, but uh, there's a character that he just described. Oh, of course, the Jefferson effect. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, but that has a mysterious past. He's a, he's a good-looking guy. He's not really that interested in his wife, but you know he needs some food and lodging. Yeah. But, so you do what you got to do to survive. Yeah, but I think most of these like dirty, dusty dudes out there, they're able to do this, and they're not as smooth as Jefferson was at all. I mean, I think Jefferson was like some kind of secret agent or something before he... If uh, you guys don't know what we're talking about, and you have never seen Married with Children, go and watch it. It's on Hulu. Yeah. It's on Hulu. Married with Children. Best fucking sitcom ever. I don't agree, but it's one of the best ones. Yes. Okay, fine. One of the best sitcoms ever. I'm sorry. Excuse no, but it's your, it's your personal opinion. So I mean, I love Mary. You don't apologize I, for your opinion. I mean, it, it's. I'll say one of the best. You're right. It's not the best, but it's up there. The yeah, top. I know. I mean, you, you watch Friends, and I think Friends is terrible. Uh, I was young. No, no, you guys like that type of stuff. 
Anywho. <laughs> all, right, all right, so I guess we're going to just lazily transition to the next topic. Anywho. Uh, you had another article you wanted to talk about, and then we'll, which actually leads into. No, we're gonna go straight. Yeah, we're gonna go straight into it. I okay. think. Uh, let's just go into so, the book. Book of the stuff. week was No Man Can Tame, The Dark Elf of Nightbloom, Book One, by Miranda Honfor. Mm-hmm. Right. Can't read. Go ahead. Okay, pronounce that. Oh, it's not even gonna try. Honfor. Yeah, Honfor. Uh, Honfor. I was right. Honfor. Yeah. Um. So, since Hannibal picked that book, I'll say what I was expecting from the book. It sounds pretty erotic, you know? I don't see the how title, it's... The title. Okay, yeah. Man, no man can tame. I'm thinking, ah, oh, shit. This bitch is going to be going crazy. Yeah, she's going to get pounded like, really bad by this big giant man or something. Like, nobody would tame her. Like, like she's a wild horse. Well, and he's... <laughs> he has a horse cock, and he's going to be able to calm down. Pull this is not dick. porn, <laughs> exactly. I guess not. Um, but uh, yeah, I wasn't. I was anticipating a little bit more of a, you know, sexual element to the story, but I do like it. It's kind of a double entendre. Yeah, she, she has this um reputation reputation mm-hmm. as being the what is it called a monster, um princess or something like that. Mm, yeah. Um, but it's, it's really, it's really cool because you would think, okay, so she's, she's a little bit crazy for, you know, the era and she meets someone of a different culture and she kind of like, he's so, you know, he's so much more extreme than she is in, in a certain, es- in certain essence that she's no longer <laughs> the, the crazy one. Like, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're the crazy person and you meet that person that makes you look like a fucking kitty cat. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, uh, yeah. I guess my and I guess I'll go back. Let's go back to the beginning. So the story is uh is based with uh knife elves and dragons and a lot of fan. It's a fantasy uh setting. Basically, we have a princess. She's in a world where she gets. She's a bit stubborn and she gets what she wants and she's book smart and you know obviously well read and also aggressive too and. The story, I guess, the, I guess the, in, the the big inciting incident is the father has arranged marriages for her and her sister. So and leading up to the reason for the arranged marriage, um, the world was not originally mixed with all of these different cultures of night elves and, and different um, magical creatures. What happened is at one point there was something called a shunning. They don't exactly explain exactly what it is, but from what you gather through the book is that these magical creatures were basically in some kind of stasis for about 2,000 years. Was it 2,000? 200? Yeah, 2,000. It's probably 2,000 years, yeah. It was about 2,000 years. They're in a kind of sedated state, and then they come back, and now you have these modern, well, more modern humans and these ancient creatures, and they, they have to figure out how to live with each other. And they're having issues. So the father, like Hamlet was just about to say, is trying to bridge the gap between the humans and the night elves. Okay. The dark elves, rather. Well, yes. So that's where the story begins. So you have the daughter, um, and you know the father is trying to bridge alliances by basically giving away one of his daughters to, I guess, the dark elf 
uh, regime or group. It's and called a queendom. A queendom. Which I fucking love. Yeah. It, where he's trying to form alliances. There's outside forces that are even more powerful than than they, you know, humans and elves. There's also a rebel hu- human group that doesn't like any of the situations going on. Then, you know, obviously, you know, this woman did not really want to be with this dark elf. And the dark elf, uh, he is all about honor and respect and order. Order. And she's like the opposite of it. So it kind of, the, the, I guess the starting blocks of the book is set pretty well. It, it, gets, it gets to the point pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I like the, the fact that the first chapter showed her rebellion, right? But it also showed her lack of hate. So at the in the beginning, you meet um, the Belmont brothers, which is one um, one of the um, men that the other sister is supposed to marry. So what happens is they have the Belmont brothers who are trying to rid the area of harpies, um, which is exactly what it sounds like: screeching creatures that swoop down and try to kill you. Um, so that so in order for them to do that, they require. I guess requested a marriage so that they can become royal and help with that. Um, so one sister is going to marry the Belmont um, brothers, and the other sister is going to marry the prince from the Dark Elf Queendom. So um, towards the end of her chapter, right before she sees her father, one of the Belmont brothers say something. I don't know if it's considered. Is it considered racist? xenophobic like what is it considered because they're not really well that's the, i mean that's the idea of you know they're, they're, you know this story relates to arranged marriages that happen throughout the world where there's a reason there's it's a it's basically a business transaction it's basically of groups trying to come together or form together so they they they're like hey you you take my daughter i'll take your son whatever the issue may be so obviously in this one it made sense of why they were doing it the only thing is I felt that the main character, um, what's what's her name? Aless. Aless. They just call her Aless in the book. Uh, Aless. Yeah. Her, she has a longer name, but everybody, yeah, yeah I guess shorten it in the book. It is interesting that they factor in those idea of her being so naive. Like she was extremely naive to a point where it was weird. It was like, hey, there's like stuff happening. People are dying. I mean, there's a war going on too. Like well, also. And she seemed like she was only worried about her her own issue. And then also for being a princess, you'd think she should have some more knowledge about, yo, this well, shit is going down right now. Not and necessarily then, because she's focused on people need to be educated and that way we can improve. The father's the opposite. He feels that if you educate the people, then they'll learn more things and uproot you. Right? Now, the problem is, because he don't really believe in education and intelligence, he's all about bronze and fighting, he doesn't really inform his children of much. Well, the females, right? So, she knows that there's a problem, but she's just, she's she's sheltered, like most princesses. And I think one of um, the dark elf uh, females, because if you, if you read the book, the dark elf females are very prominent. They're... The hierarchy. Um, so basically, so, basically, the 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 it's the complete opposite of the world that she lived in. Basically, which is uh, what you do when you're writing a book. You want to put the character in a totally different world. So I totally understand that. I did feel like there was some elements where she just seemed more selfish. And I guess that's her. And, and the book 
as the book progresses, she becomes more mature and kind of understands how big a deal this situation is. Where you know she becomes she gets targeted. Obviously, uh, the the main character or the other main character, the dark elf, Vernon. Varen. Varen. Um, don't worry we'll get these names together that's one of the biggest things of science uh not even science fiction but fantasy books it's just goddamn weird fucking names you have to try to pronounce but i feel that i feel that i feel that it's an interesting book you know cultures are clashing together you know customs and traditions you know people and elves animals living drastically different I, I do find that every time there's a um, there's a an animal or a different alien or they always have honor as well, their thing, like honor and practicality. You know, like they well, they're do, more you know, rational because yeah, humans, humans are, are just irrational. So like mm. they are humans are irrational. Now, um, that's another thing. Um, humans are based a lot of the issues on emotion, and which is why going back to arranged marriages why a lot of arranged marriages work because it's not based on the emotion like the article that Hannibal did not bring up um or any article that you really read on the subject it it basically states that in an arranged marriage you go in with a preconceived uh agreement so you know why you're in this relationship but if I fall in love, I want to get married, I want to have kids. Sometimes that feeling of love and adornment and happy just fucking goes away when you live with the person and you guys see his face. So you have an expectation of love and then when you don't have that, then things start falling apart. Whereas in an arranged marriage, it's not necessarily that. You grow to love that person because you already have a connection of what you need to do. Which with these two couples... Um, half when they first meet each other, they don't really have that much of an attraction to each other. Um, and as time goes on and they learn new things about each other, they become attracted to the person, not just what they look like. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And yeah, they, they basically, it's two different characters, obviously, two different species of people, two different backgrounds. They're forced to come together, and that's how a story starts, right? Or that's how a story kind of begins. Um, you know, some other interesting characters come in. At one point, uh, the Dark Elf's ex-girlfriend jumps in. She's pretty cool and aggressive. Um, the first character that that's that I think it's... They're not a major character, but I think it's pretty important because it helps um, Varen grow is uh, Javari, which is one of his guards. Yeah. Also, um, a, a, a young lady that he grew up with. Um, it shows his... It helps bring out his insecurities. It shows... He's very insecure about one of the reasons why he's so up on honor and honesty is, you know, his father sacrificed himself um, to save his family. And he felt like that was, you know, that was unacceptable. So anyone who lies or deceives, he, you know, he's very adamant about not uh, forgiving them or not trusting them again. So um, early in the book, Javari kind of lies to him so that he can see how selfish, the, you know, Elise is. I mean, she is very selfish in the beginning of the book, but I mean, he gets really upset. He's like, "This, you know, we're trying to mend roles between our people. I can't trust you," and you know, and this character becomes friends with Elise, um, and through their friendship, able to mend, um, 
Varen's belief on forgiveness because you know he's not very big on forgiveness um and you'll you can see that throughout the book so this character is very important and uh Elise gets very attached to her yeah I, I, you know yeah all those things uh Actually, yeah, they were good, all good points. I just feel like in the total of the book, like this book was very Beauty and the Beast ish, and it's funny. It was the second book. It's total. It's it's so much like Beauty and the Beast. The character is so smart. She's a bit of a rebel. She wants to build a library, even though there's a goddamn war going on and people are dying and babies are screaming. And but then you got the your honorable. Hold on, hold on. Wants- you got the honorable beast looking he's not attractive but he's strong he's tall he's like six foot five a big dark elf walks along his battle gear probably has a big giant thing first of all he sound kind of high in the description yeah but she was at the beginning very revolted of her his look she was i don't think it was revolting it was fair and like she explains later in the book she said people fear what they don't know when you first met me you came fully covered and it was terrifying i didn't know I can see you. So it's, and it's true. People fear what they don't know. So, you know, once you can see and smell. Yeah, but I, 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 to, to I totally understand that point. I'm not arguing about it. I'm just saying the book is very well, yeah. based in a beauty and a beast um, a lot. framework. And I'm also, again, I am just started to read these books. I feel like it's, these books have the same rhythm. And... Is it all the books kind of based like a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing where the guy is super strong and powerful but he's dark and mysterious? Well, and most books have an alpha male. So it's not necessarily a Beauty and the Beast per se, but since the Beast is an alpha male, that's why... Well, this this is a little bit more Beauty and the Beast because it's um, different cultures um, clashing. Um, but for the more... Uh, the less fantasy ones they're they're typically um based with an alpha male so that alpha male is usually headstrong and you know i need to get this done and the woman kind of like a lot of the times it 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 kind of uh is similar like the woman kind of brings him down to earth and he kind of like brings her like you know i mean they kind of meet in the middle um, yeah, there yeah. are some books where they're both very headstrong, and then you see kind of clashing throughout the books, which is really interesting. But yeah, yeah. typically it's an alpha male. Yeah, um, I, I do. I also feel also thought that the book kind of dragged on towards the middle, uh, which is just some, something I just gotta get used to of reading. That you know that, that you know the beginning is pretty good, the ending is all right, like it's pretty good as well, but then in that middle path, it's like, all right, get to the point, let's keep moving, I get it, you guys aren't getting along, there's there's scenes, there's scenes where they, they're clashing, either she's not telling him the truth, and then usually something terrible happens to bring them back together, which is always, drama always brings either people together or apart, uh, and I think that those those scenes, those scenes were pretty good, All the, overall, the writing was pretty good, uh, I didn't really have too much issues with how things were the plot holes everything was kind of it made sense compared to the first book that we read i just the only thing one of the things i thought was a bit odd is the pushing of the library thing and you know you call you kind of explain it but that's the issue with war we don't have time to build libraries and well, have knowledge and all that when it's war that's why there's certain societies tend not to last very long or have issues yeah because they don't you know Education can't go far along because it's a current fight. And as I felt like 
she thought that was the most important thing because she was more worried about her mother. But I still think that selfish attitude because throughout the book, that's what that she she wanted. She didn't want to marry um, yeah, the she, guy. She, she thought, oh, we're gonna find a way to become friends, and I'm gonna just build my library. And, and then, like he had to sit there and explain to her, like, no, dude, this is the line. It's not. Hey, we can be friends. Anybody can be friends. Don't work friends. that way. Yeah. You have to show that we can be together in marriage and that that's how close we can be. Like, she didn't understand exactly what, you know, the significance of it was. And he had to sit there and explain it to her, you know, for it to click. And then after, you know, it that's, clicked I think, a little I think, bit. I think, she could, I, think that's a, I think the main character, she can become across very unlikable because... Other Beauty and the Beast, like the last book that we read, I didn't think that that main character was not unlikable at all. You, you kind of rooted for her to go along. But this one was very annoying at times. And the book, I felt like it was it was kind of ham-fisted. I kind of understood. And also, from her, her mother and her family, of why she took it as seriously as she had, I just feel like it took a lot for her to get it. While... Like you like said, her father, her family, even her sister they didn't seem to understand. The father understood it completely. And I guess, like you said, his idea was to keep everyone dumb because that's how you keep them under control. Yeah. He felt that he didn't keep his wife in control. And, and I mean, we were spoiling the, the book the whole, you know, you've been doing all spoilers the entire time. But yeah, and basically he, he feels that the education and the, the goal of the library is what killed his wife. So he doesn't want her to do that as well but kind of going back um just this reminded me um when she married um vernon in the beginning first of all um she kind of did that whole red outfit thing to kind of show people that she still has a mind of her own which i thought was kind of cool um and then vernon not knowing the culture came fucking get out with knives and swords and battle gear so they looked pretty epic going down the aisle um but in the reception because what happens is um we kind of i have to explain this in case you didn't read the book so what happens is when he arranges the marriage he originally tells her that she has to marry one of the brothers right one of the belmont brothers and her sister had to marry the dark um elf but the sister is in love with one of the Belmont brothers. So what she does is she throws herself on the sword and says, I'll marry the dark elf. One of us should be happy. Right? So in the reception, after she marries the dark elf, after, you know, they have their little um, get together, the father looks at her, looks at the sister, and then salutes or tips his glass or whatever you want to call it. And she gets so upset because she realized that her father knows her so well that he knew that it's the right action was not to tell her to marry the dark elf because then she'll just rebel so you tell her the opposite and she is so willing to sacrifice herself for her sister that she would do what he wanted anyway and it kind of shows like even though your parents are kind of an asshat they they know you well you, yeah. You know I mean? yep. yeah i mean uh, he, he had he had an issue i guess raising his daughter for this time but like i said parents know your ch- children pretty well so uh that's what you know that's what parents do i mean it seemed like this king was very manipulative as it, you know as most people in power are um but in terms of you know us you know this is supposed to be a book club about romance novel there's not a lot of sex um not a lot of boning 
No 69s, no cartwheel 69s, no like reverse cowgirl. Nothing is happening. And then I guess. I I did not want to throw a bunch of dirty sex. Well, I picked picked this book. So I I guess I should have said, is there boobies in it? Maybe I tried type that in the amazon uh, is there form. boobies in it is this boobies in this in this in this book because it's been two books and we have i mean the first at least the first one has some weird shit going on this one's pure fantasy mixed with politics which was good like some good politics some action scenes um well they kept the tension throughout the book uh in a very engaging way to keep you going where you don't know where where this is going to end up, uh, you always know that yes, the, the couple is going to probably, you know, be happy or whatever. You know, that's yeah, how that's, most of them that's are. That's how they. And they're going to love each other regardless that they were forced to be with each other. Kind of. They like said they could have find something. You know. Yeah, he he learned to kind of not be take himself not go too serious in one direction. She learned to be a little bit more mature, and I, I, you know I think I think that that's pretty much sums up the book is there anything else you think you would like to talk about i, I think it was i think we kind of i mean you don't want to discuss the ending because you already spoiled all the book but i don't thought we were spoiling books here no right, i guess we're just going to spoil the books but i guess not kill the ending i mean all right so we'll leave the ending to you um but I, but like you said what's the what, what's the or like what's the reason or why we have romantic romantic books what's the what makes one a romantic book because at the end well yeah what, what makes it is basically you have two characters that kind of clash a little bit. They got to get to know each other, bond. Um, they may already know each other and clash. You know, it's always a conflict that they got to overcome. In the end, for romantic, for 99.9% of romantic novels, um, I would say at the end, you always expect that something's going to work out. It's going to be, you know, some happy loving at the end. The only thing, well, the thing that did not work out is the lack of sex in this book. So if I go to my own special rating category, Hannibal's uh, boner meter, it was a zero out of five boners. Oh, well, I didn't uh, know that no you were boners. looking for boners. Yeah. No. Um, so the next book. Wait, wait, I wasn't looking. <laughs> the um, next book that I picked do not really have boners, but um. What the reason? Well, why then that's a problem because well, the, the whole the whole idea I decided to do this nonsense is like I'll be read some smutty stuff, like some really butt slapping. I can change uh, the book now. No, no, no. Let's no. change it. Well, we can't change it because we have to announce it right now. So we don't have time to look for it because you're <laughs> you're talking to a mic right now. All so right. do not change it. I guess it's gonna be another week of no butt slappy sweaty sex scenes at all. You you well, made me re- read you made me read books with words about uh, people <laughs> l- loving each other. That sounds you know that's the whole point of this. The the reason why the the next book does not have um well it has a sex scene but it's not a lot of sex scenes you know whatever maybe like a couple one or two or whatever. But the reason why is because we just came for fantasy and I wanted you to see how a romance novel um generally is without all of the uh Beauty and the Beast uh style writing. Um. Yeah, and, and that's good. I think it's good. We change it up. Leave leave fantasy world right now, and we can go back into more contemporary. Yeah, so we're gonna uh, do more contemporary names thing. of people we could pronounce. <laughs> such you know settings that we can remind you know we know how to pronounce the goddamn city or wherever they are. Uh, and I think that's probably where we're gonna go. What's the name of the first next week? So book? the the name of the book for next week is Sixty Nine Million Things I Hate About You. 
Um, so you think? It's by all right, Clara Archer. Um, do you are you familiar with the author? Um, not this author particularly. I read one or two books. Great pick. Um, no, um, <laughs> the book is the book is should be pretty good. Um, basically, um, every woman imagines um that uh, they had sex with this annoying broody sexy boss at many, some point how many broody sexy bosses have you had in your life if you had a broody sexy boss you really want some tickle time with that boss and no i'm gonna say have you ever had a boss that was attractive okay. i have i so, oh well I have, yes one i've but. had i don't know if he's technically he was technically my boss he was above me he was below you. so i wish he was below <laughs> me he was so fucking hot i remember um when we first started the job like it was like a, a group uh little meeting and this man was so muscly and so sexy oh, muscly. it was it was like he jumped out of you ever see the covers of these books he was fucking gorgeous also he was a he was, he was a romantic book cover kind yes of you put him on the cover of the book is he always he oiled up and laying in a bed or he something could he could have been oiled up and laying he was wearing a uniform so that that's uh, kind of hot. Okay, uniform, uniforms. Yeah, that's kind of hot. Muscly. Those are that's the archetype. And he had like that broody face or whatever. He do you know you really see him smiling? He's very hot. All right, well keep it together. Point read, is, read let the, me, wait, wait, let me finish my the, story. Shut the fuck up. So, so he's talking to everyone, and uh, we're all sitting there, guys and girls or whatever, and he's having a conversation. And I guess someone had their name because we you know nobody knows anybody. You have name tags on so you get to know anybody, whatever. And I guess it was upside down. So he points to the, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, he points to the crowd to let the person know, you know, you put your shit on wrong. Every female in that area pointed to themselves. They were like, who, me? I'm like, no, not you, you dirty bitches. I mean, I wasn't in that area. I probably would did it too, but it, like, right. it was, he's, he's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't even understand. I don't understand either. <laughs> So basically, um, this book is sixty nine million things I hate about you. It's a secretary boss um book. So basically, a lot of the secretary boss books. Some of the secretaries are submissive, and they're forced to do hot, sexy stuff for whatever the brooding boss hopefully, wants. Yes, hopefully this book. This has is not that. that book. Oh well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so this book basically, what happens is. The boss is hot and annoying. He's like he's like a dick, and she, um, I guess I give this away. She do not give it away because I didn't read the book. So what are you give? What are you talking about? It's pretty obvious. They tell no, you. do not. No, she tease it. It's a tease. Don't she? She gets. I'm I'm not giving it away. They explain it in the snap synopsis. She gets this means to, uh, leave. I guess. So basically, what she does is she says, "Hey." I'm not gonna just leave. Like her friends are like, don't just leave. Make his life as miserable as his as he makes you. So basically, it's just a clash between boss and secretary throughout the whole book. And we find out: do they go together? Do they not go? Well, it's a romance novel, so obviously they get together at the end. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit of a clash. There's some sex in it, but it's not a lot of sex. All right. Sorry. Well, hopefully, my next the, book is gonna probably be too much sex. So I already picked it out. So all right. Well, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll go we'll go with that one. What's the name of the book and the author again? The name of the book is Sixty Nine Million Things I Hate About You by Kara Archer. It will be posted up so you can click it. 
Yes. So awesome. So we'll 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 end it right here because uh, the laptop has about five percent left, and uh, Nicole did not charge it. So I think we're gonna stop right here, and then we'll go to the next book, and we'll have some more discussions about bosses and why we want to have sex with them. Because yes, clearly, this clure is very excited. Oh about, my gosh, you guys did not see his. Oh, well, so well, delicious. T- 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 what's his name? Say, say his whole name. I'm not going to say, say his whole name. Where does he live? <laughs> I wish I knew where he lived that way. All right. Well, <laughs> I would be that. I got another book for stalkers, too. I'm sure you do. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it, guys. See you later. All right. Thank you for coming to Book Nasty. Bye-bye. Bye.